Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in this series we're doing called You Have the Words, um, based on an encounter Jesus has with the disciples. He's, he's done a very tough teaching in, in John 6, and uh, most of the crowd that's been following him left. All that's left are the disciples, and Jesus looks at them, so you guys are leaving too, and Peter looks at him and says, Lord, where, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so we're, we're sort of taking that idea, and what we're doing is we're, we're taking some time in this series to look at some of the things that Jesus said, and, and my hope would be that, that throughout the week you would sort of concentrate on that or focus on that or meditate on um, what he says and what we talk about, that maybe you get some sort of ideas, and, and, and really invite the Holy Spirit to help you use your holy imaginations to kind of think about what it would be like to to do more than just kind of read over it, but to actually, you know, put yourself in this situation. Think about what it would have been like. You get a lot more out of it if you begin to think of um, Scripture in that context and in that way, uh, and, and then reading it and then really trying to sort of think about what it would have been like in the process. And so far, we, you know, we've looked at uh, Jesus when he, and he asked uh, uh, the, the two guys that started to follow him that were followers of John the Baptist, and he said, what do you want? And uh, I said, what a great question that was, introduced as the creator of the universe who spoke it all into being, and then asked the question, what do you want? And, and that he asks us that question as well. Powerful, powerful question. And I, I hope you've been thinking about that and that the answer, you know, that I think we find life in is, Lord, I just want what you want. And we, we talked about what that looks like. And last week, we, we saw him in the temple courts uh, uh, chasing away uh, the, the people that were in there and had sort of corrupted the whole deal. And we talked about, you know, him saying, you know, stop making my father's house an emporium or a market and some of the thoughts that we had about that. And I hope you've been thinking about that over the week, that, that we want to make sure that we never forget how amazing it is. We have access to the presence of God in Christ, the literal presence of God, the most holy place 24-7, and that we never swap that out for anything that's, that's not as important as that. And we have a tendency to do that, to swap the temporal for the eternal. And we have to make sure our priorities are right. Today, uh, we're going to look at something else that Jesus said. We're going to actually look at something in John chapter 3 um, this week. But that's the intro. Transition always has a bad joke or two, and, and I found some really bad ones. Um, this one was actually written on a piece of paper and turned into me. You know why you can't trust atoms? Because they make up everything. I, it wasn't bad. Then somebody told me that I like this. The other day, you know, I like apples. I eat apples on Sundays all the time. Uh, the other day I went to Winn-Dixie and I, I bought $30 worth of apples. And then on the way out, unfortunately, I dropped the bag and I ruined both of them. That's only good for you apple eaters because you're freaked out like I am at how much they cost. That's pretty... Okay. Whew. Scripture reading here on purpose. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he was old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. 
You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So Jesus said a lot of stuff in there. And, uh, and, and so you think, oh, what do you get? And I, there's one thing that I really want to talk about this week. And, and so this is just, you know, I hope you'll think about it. John 3, 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. The scripture is clear there that, that uh, we must be born again or we will not see the kingdom of God. And it's that phrase that I want to talk about, being born again. I don't know how many of you in your experience, have you ever had someone come up to you, and in sort of a weird kind of way, when they find out you're a Christian, ask you, uh, are you one of them born again Christians? Do you ever have that experience? I have, it's very strange. Because you can tell that, that they're saying it in a way that, um, and I don't know what's happened to them, but they've obviously had some sort of bad experience with someone with the born-again label, and, and they, they begin to treat you like, because th th there's only one kind. Um, you know, if you read that scripture, it's like, well, yes, because if you're not, you're, you're in, you can't see the kingdom of God. You have to be, um, but they have sort of made it to be something that it's not, and that's why I thought we should think about it and talk about it. What does it mean to be born again and that's the very first point it's in your notes what does it mean to be born again what's Jesus saying what's he talking about what can we learn from what's going on in John 3 now first off um, in, in the first couple of verses there it says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council he came to Jesus at night rabbi we know your teachers come from God no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him so um, uh, you know, I want to just sort of mention what was going on there so that we can get a, a context for what Jesus said and why he said it. Nicodemus um, basically represented the best in the nation. I mean, it's a fascinating picture that John is drawing here. Um, Nicodemus is a teacher. He's a Pharisee. He's a, a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a politician, uh, the Jewish ruling council. Um, he has prestige. He has position. He has power, uh, he's prominent in, in Israel, um, and, and this is um, uh, sort of a picture of, of what you would look at someone like on the outside, that this is someone that's really got it all together. Uh, you, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's all those things, he's, a, he's religious, um, and he's a, he's a teacher, like I said, politician, very well respected, um, he, he comes to see Jesus. Now. Um, it's, it's interesting that he sneaks in at night because he doesn't want everybody else to know but that's okay that's because he's worried about his position and stuff and what people would think um, but still here's, here's a person that seems to have it going pretty well on, uh, outwardly he looks like well this is someone that really 
has it together. But Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, that's not going to work for you. That's really what he's saying. Um, uh, he's telling him uh, that, that he needs to be born again, that what he needs is a brand new life. He needs a spiritual life. And, and this is a fascinating thing that, that we're going to talk about. So the second point in your notes there is that, that to be born again is, is a brand new life. John 3, 3 and 4, Jesus uh, declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he was old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. So when we're born again, and I think this is where people, that's why the funny question comes. Um, it's not that we're getting a, a religion. What we're getting is a brand new life. In effect, we are being spiritually born. And that, that what the Lord is saying to us uh, is that we're not spiritually alive until we come to know Jesus. Um, then look at this verse in Luke 9.60. Jesus said to him, uh, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And what that verse is saying is that there's physically dead people who need burying, and there's spiritually dead people who can bury them. That's what that verse is all about. Uh, and, and so... Um, even though Nicodemus seems to be a person that has it all together, Jesus tells him he needs to be born again. He has religious, uh, religion, he has position, he has power, but he has no spiritual life. So to be born again is to be spiritually born. That's pretty significant um, in our lives today because we, um, we live in a time and a place, and much like they did, that... Um, um, if people appeared spiritual in whatever that looks like, um, you know, they were, they were considered to really sort of be on top of it. But Jesus looked at someone who had all the appearance of being a deeply religious person and said, what you have is not going to work. It's not going to get you there. It's not enough. You have to be born again. And so it, it, it's all about being spiritually born. So what happens is, third, is that it's a brand new you. John 3, 5, and 6. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. So flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. So, so the, the reality is, is that every person is, is living flesh, but not every person is living spirit. So, so uh, you know, flesh begets flesh. The Spirit is the one who brings spirit. So you're born as living flesh, but you have to be born again to be living spiritually. And when you're born again, you're given a whole new nature by the Spirit. That's why the Scripture talks about a new creation. You're given a new nature. It's not a makeover of your old nature. It's a whole new nature that's then being formed and developed in you by the Holy Spirit. And, and that's very significant. So, so it's not that... that uh, uh, he's just taking bad stuff and making it good. Um, when, when we come to him and when we ask Jesus and invite him into our lives to be Lord and Savior, um, we're given a brand new nature. And then that brand new nature is developed um, as we yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives. But he says something else too um, that I needed to talk about. What does it mean when he says we need to be born of water and spirit? A lot of ideas about what that means. But I actually believe that he's referring, referring to an Old Testament verse in Ezekiel that ties these together. It's Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28. For I will take you out of the nations 
And I will gather you from all the countries and bring you, bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You'll live in the land I'll give your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. So, so when we're born again, we're given a new nature, a new heart, but we still have the same flesh that we had before we were born again. Um, be, be, uh, see, see um, I have this new nature now since I've come to Christ that's, that's being developed and formed by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's an ongoing process. We've talked about that. It would be great if it just went like that, but it doesn't. It just doesn't for me. And I haven't met anybody else that did that too. Uh, it's a process, and, and um, we have a new nature, and the Holy Spirit is now, as we yield to Him, He's developing this new nature in us. Um, but uh, I'm still very much aware of the fact that I'm far from being completed and that my flesh still acts up from time to time. Actually, it acts up a lot. Anybody else have their flesh act up from time to time? You got a new nature where you know what you want to... See, this is the thing. You know what you want to be doing. And I, I think, you know, as we continue on, we're doing it more and more. But every now and again, the flesh just sort of gets in the way. And all of a sudden, instead of being kind, you're being snotty. And instead of doing the right thing, you're not doing the right thing. Whether you're completely doing the wrong thing or you're just not doing the right thing, whatever it might be, our flesh gets in the way. And, and, and we're like, well, that's, that's really not what I want to do, but sometimes it feels good to do it. I guess I don't know why I do those things. Why do I, you know, anybody wonder why you get grumpy? Why do we get grumpy sometimes? There must be some immediate satisfaction in it. But for me, it's never worked out long term. I'm always really regretting it the moment I've been grumpy to anybody because like, oh, now I've got to go fix it. Um, so it's just better not to do it. But it's because my flesh is, is still uh, at work. Uh, and, and, and so I'm in this process. I have a brand new nature, um, but my flesh acts up. See, see, that's why I need to know about the water that he was talking about because I still need to have that mess washed away. It keeps me from being fodder for the enemy and, and falling into guilt and shame. Remember Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. That's that new nature thing going on. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. See, we can approach God, and we talked about this last week, the, the literal presence of God, and that the amazing thing is that God now sees us in Christ we've come to Christ and we've been given this new nature and, and God is relating to us in that and that our spirit, you know, our, our spirit's good in, it went with Him but our flesh is still a problem um, but we're, you know, we're yielding to the spirit and, and all that stuff's being worked out and, and yet in the meantime we're washed with this water and we're sprinkled so we don't have a guilty conscience and we, we get that we're in process and that God loves us even now while we're still in the process and so He sees us in Christ and so, so um, uh, born again is just that now I'm spiritually alive. I have a new nature, a new heart. The Spirit of God is, is developing these things within me. And, and, uh, and yet, you know, I'm still, I'm still flesh, you know, that I was before I got saved. And, and he's working on that too, but even that's still acting up. But we're, but we're working on it in the process. Now, I, I, when I think about, whenever I get to John 3, and I think about Nicodemus, I love the story of Nicodemus after this encounter because um, something happens to Nicodemus 
And what I believe happens to Nicodemus is that he's born again. Can't be sure. I mean, we won't know until we get there. But because of what happens and, and how he begins to change from that time forward. So remember, his first encounter, he snuck in to see Jesus at night. Didn't want anybody to know, right? Well, um, we'll pop ahead in John. In John 7, 1551, the, the, uh, the council's out to get Jesus. And, and look who steps up to defend him. John 7, 1551. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? He actually defends Jesus there pretty big deal in front of the council where you know he's sneaking in before something's different in Nicodemus something's happened uh, and and he he kind of sticks his neck out a little and he defends him well th th there's something else that he does that's even more uh, amazing to me when I watch it and and this is um, just at, at, at the crucifixion um, at the crucifixion when everybody's run away and, and Jesus has died on the cross and uh, his body's there and all of his disciples are gone there's no one to take care of the body and, and so um, Joseph of Arimathea makes arrangements to take care of the body and he brings somebody with him to help him and that somebody's Nicodemus John 19, 39 and 40 he was accompanied by Nicodemus the man who had earlier had visited Jesus at night and Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds and taking Jesus' body the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen and this was in accordance with Jewish burial customs that was an extremely public display of affection for Jesus that he risked everything to go and get his body to prepare it for burial properly it's huge that that took place now what I believe happened is that, that a transformation had happened in his encounter with Jesus he gets it and, and, and he's, he's the, the, what you're seeing now is the, the new nature taking over, being you know, led by the Spirit. He's, he's a different person. The flesh is the same, and he's not perfect by a long shot, but he's different. And he's willing now to, to stop sneaking around at night and to be in the light with Jesus. It's a huge thing that's taking place in the transition. And so, you know, uh, I, I believe that he gets it. He's, he's born again. It's, it's, uh, and you say, well, what does that mean? Jesus says, you know, if you, it's, it's all about being believed, uh, believing in him. Uh, in John 3, we saw it twice in 15 and 16. Um, believe in him and you'll have everlasting life. Paul says it this way in Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved see see this is the process that's what it means so so if anybody ever you know says to you again in that kind of weird way I don't know what happened to him or you wanna yeah, well I am but do you understand what you're asking me you have to be in order to see the kingdom of God and what it means is that I'm spiritually alive now before I was spiritually dead I might have been following all the rules and doing all the things I was supposed to do but I was not alive until I came to know Christ and now I have life and life full life abundant life forever and that's what that's talking about so my hope is this you know um, uh, take some time this week and really think about those verses and what was going on and what he said and how he said it and the context and just kind of imagine what it would have been like even to be Nicodemus and sneaking in at night and 
being worried about what other people might think and what say, and then seeing the transformation that takes place and what that means. And how in our own lives, um, how, you know, as we come to know Him, things begin to change because in Him we have a new nature and He's working in us and we're different. We still got some flesh stuff, but He's making us new. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing uh, in the process to know. And, and you know, if you're, if you're not, if you've never at that spot where you've, you've made that decision, that, that, uh, that whole, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts, do that. That's where it all starts. And, and that's really just prayer, uh, uh, simple prayer. It's humility and faith. Lord, uh, it's just kind of admitting to God you're broken like the rest of us. You've sinned. That's the issue. We're, we're separate from God because of our sin. And, and uh, we just admit that to God. God, I'm, I'm a sinner. Will you forgive me? And, and he will. And then in faith, we, we just get before him and, and we say, Lord, would you, would you come into my heart, my life, to be my Lord and Savior? We, we, we believe in our hearts. We confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. We're saved. We're born again. And that's where we experience life. So I hope you'll think about that this week. And uh, that it'll give you something to kind of chew on and, and meditate on. Uh, during your devotional times and, and really think about what that would have been like and what Jesus was saying and what it means to us. Amen? Amen. If you're watching on TV or video, thank you for doing that. We appreciate you doing that. We'd love for you to visit us. If you need prayer, go to the website or you can call us and we will pray for you and we will see you soon.